Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 to 2. And let's pray now as we come to God's word. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you uh, for 2023 and for all the many evidences of your faithfulness to us as individuals and as a church. We pray now, Lord, as we begin to turn the corner to look forward to 2024, that you would help us, Lord, to be in great spiritual uh, shape, fit and ready for all that you are asking of us and have for us to do this next year, individually and as families and as a church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, let's hear God's word. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, this morning uh, we have ten gospel habits for your spiritual and mental fitness in 2024. In a sense, what we're saying is, uh, it's time to go back to the gym. And uh, though 10 sounds a lot, all we're going to have is 10 reps. So if you like, you can count with me as we go through the sermon. So we think about spiritual and mental fitness. It's important to realize that mere good intentions, this time of year, people think about New Year's resolutions, all the rest, this Tons of evidence that shows that mere good intentions and New Year's resolutions don't last very long. We need more than that, something more profound than that, and something more powerful than that. On the other hand, lifestyle and lifestyle changes do make a difference, both spiritually, practically, and medically. I came across this uh, from a piece of medical literature just this week. And this is the claim. I haven't had time to research it all down, but it came from what I think is a reputable medical source. 80% of chronic diseases are preventable by lifestyle changes. Think of that. 80% of chronic diseases are preventable by lifestyle changes. But of course, the lifestyle changes are very hard to achieve. All of us found that. So in a sense, what we need is more than mere discipline, more than mere good intentions, more than mere New Year's resolutions. We need gospel habits. And so we're in the book of Romans, and of course, as those of you who've been around College Church for a while will know, some years ago I did a lengthy series in the book of Romans, and we're not going to go through it all, of course, again this morning, but just as a reminder... The book of Romans as a whole is a bold reminder of the gospel of God for the sake of all nations. That's the theme of the book of Romans. And you can go back online, you'll find this, I think it was four years worth of sermons 
establishing that point. Uh, but this morning is application. So with all that framework in mind that I won't reestablish today, we're simply trying to apply it with uh, these 10 gospel habits for our spiritual and mental health for 2024. Well, what are those uh, 10 gospel habits? First of all, here's the first rep. Develop a coherent view of the world and your place in it. So what you need to notice, that therefore, is the word therefore in Romans 12, chapter, uh, Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 1. All of uh, the application is built upon a therefore. This isn't merely a worldview, not merely a, a view of the world in, a, in an intellectual sense, but a spiritual transformation a coherent view of the world, and your place in it. Both those things are important. For our spiritual fitness, for our mental fitness, we cannot be surprised if people feel fragmented in their lives when their view of the world and their place in it is fragmented. They don't know what they're about. They don't know what they're for. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what the purpose of life is. Well, of course they feel down because there's no meaning to life. It's absolutely logical to feel down if you don't have a coherent view of the world and your place in it. It's perfectly logical. Uh, so what we first of all need is that therefore. This, this reminder of the gospel of God, God's overall purpose for your life, for the life of uh, the glory of God and our commitment to him, that our lives individually as a church matter hugely for the progress of the gospel. And once we get that clear in our minds, uh, and we're, co- we, we're coherent, we have a coherent view of the world, and our place in it, then of course our spiritual fitness will start to recover. You say, how do I do that practically? Well, one of the ways to do that practically is, of course, to read the Bible. And there's a online, uh, many online devotional tools for that. I've written one that you can sign up for, which takes you through the Bible over four years but there are many others as well. Reading the Bible, reading good Christian books, uh, getting a sense of who you are, your identity in Christ is massive and majestic and of huge significance. You are made in the image of God and if you're a Christian, you're remade in the image of Christ and everything you do has importance and value and we need to all Lean into developing that. So first of all, develop a coherent view of the world and your place in it based upon therefore. Second, increasingly invest in one local church and don't bounce around. So now I've got to do two reps. One, two. I achieved it. What we need to notice here about the text in uh, verse 1 of chapter 12 is the word Brothers or brothers and sisters. We as a church, excuse me, we as a church are a family. We're brothers and sisters. And if our mental and spiritual fitness is to be in tip top shape, then we need not only individualistically to gather a coherent view of the world, but socially, relationally, 
ecclesiologically as a community of the church increasingly invest in one local church and don't bounce around. Now, we live in a very privileged part of the world. There are many churches around in the Chicago land area. Some of them are better than others. Some of them are biblical churches. Some of them are not biblical churches. But we live in a hugely privileged part of the world. If you were living in the Middle East or some other part of, uh, of the globe, it would be hard to find a church that was in any sense an Orthodox Christian church. Well, there are, there are many Orthodox Christian churches around Chicago. But that, though that is a huge privilege, it comes with a temptation, doesn't it? To bounce around, to never truly commit. And it is a, a tendency of many churches to pitch themselves, to market themselves to the Christian market, to try and draw Christians in. And so then with all these different plethora of options, the tendency is to find certain Christians who just bounce around from one church to the other, to another church, to another church, and they never really commit. They never really invest in one local biblical church. Don't let that be you. If you really want to be spiritually and mentally fit, you need to find a church, and of course I'm a pastor of this church, so I advocate for this church, but it's not the only biblical church in Chicagoland. Find a church, commit to it. No church is perfect, no family is perfect. Invest increasingly in one local church and don't bounce around. And, and be resistant to the marketing pitch of certain Ministries that are always trying to grab you to the new shiny thing. Oh, invest in one local church and don't bounce around. The third gospel habit. Keep your focus on who God is, not on who you are. Here's three reps now. I'm doing this for the children. I had to think of some illustration that might keep them interested. They're now intrigued to see whether I can get to ten or not which is definitely up for grabs. We'll see. Keep your focus on who God is, not on who you are. And the key aspect of this verse to notice is that uh, the Apostle Paul, I appeal to you, therefore, and we've seen therefore, brothers, the family of God, by the mercies of who? Of God. Of God. Our spiritual mental fitness will never be healthy if we center on who we are rather than on who God is. You have a Bible open. You could turn with me back to chapter 9 and verses 15 to 16. And the phrase here, the mercies of God, that we're breaking down into two parts for the, this, this, this uh, gospel habit number three, focusing on God, is all built upon what the Apostle Paul is drawing from the Old Testament of the mercies of God revealed at, at, uh, in the book of Ez, Exodus, chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. You can see there the phrase mercy and God's mercy is built upon the Apostle Paul's teaching that God showed his mercy in the Exodus, taking his people out of slavery, and that mercy is now finally fulfilled in the redemptive Exodus rescue of God in Christ, these mercies of God. It's not generally speaking God is merciful, 
It's specifically, he is a redemptive God who has redeemed his people from slavery through the work of Christ, and it is his action and who he is. It's this kind of God, as Charles Spurgeon famously said, when you cannot trace the hand of God, trust his heart, who he is. He's a God of mercy. There are many things in our lives that confuse us that we will never have the answer to, certainly not in this world. But we do know who God is. We know he's a merciful God, and we know he can be trusted. Why? Because of the mercies of God. Keep your focus on him, not on who you are or what someone else says you are, but on him himself, his mercies. As uh, the great preacher Lloyd-Jones used to say, the problem with Christians, as they listen too much to themselves, instead of talking to themselves, tell yourself who God is. He's a merciful God. How do you know this? You know it because he rescued God's people from Egypt, the Exodus. How do you ultimately know it? You know it because of his his son, his life, his death, his resurrection for yourself. So you know who God is. Keep your focus on who God is, not on who you are. Number four. Four reps. Here we go. One, two, three, four. I've got a lot more to go. I might have to switch arms. Keep your focus, number four, on what God has done, not on what you have done. Whose mercies? God's mercies. Not what you have done. I find pastorally many people get their minds, their hearts, out of sync with the purpose of God because they start to focus on what they have done, whether they have been good enough this week, whether they have achieved enough, whether they did the right thing in a certain instance or circumstance, whether they have achieved all that they should achieve. No, focus on what God has done. This, of course, is a summation, a summary of Paul's teaching from Romans uh, chapter 1 all the way to chapter 11. It's a fulfillment of what it means for God to act in compassion and mercy as predicted in Exodus, what God has done. And therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And therefore, you Christian. You are not condemned. And therefore, Christian, you, have, you are not guilty. And therefore, Christian, you're free. You've been set free from the bondage to sin and slavery. Live like that. What God has done, not what you have done. Well, here we come to the fifth of these gospel habits. Include even your body in your commitment to God. What does the Apostle Paul says? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your bodies as a living sacrifice. We're not Gnostics. That is, we don't believe that whatever you do with your body doesn't matter as long as you take care of your soul. The human being is a psychosomatic unit. That is, we're soul and body combined. And what we do with our bodies does affect how we feel, how we think, We need to present our whole body sexually, physically. I'm not here to give you uh, (laughs) dietary advice, of course. What do I know about that? But it is interesting to me, I came across this just the other week, that the Netherlands, that is 
Holland. The Netherlands have banned direct-to-children advertising of sugar. They've banned it. You can't do it. And our physical well-being does matter. We present our whole body sexually, physically to God. It's part of our spiritual worship. It's part of being spiritually and mentally fit is to present our bodies to God. Sixth uh, uh, gospel habit. Gather every week for a compelling and thrilling worship experience that impacts all of life. What does he say? Which is your spiritual worship. Our worship is beyond what we do here when we gather. Our worship is presenting our bodies. It's the way we think. Our whole lifestyle. It's beyond what we do when we gather. But this is a part of our spiritual worship. This gathered worship. When we come together. And we will find that our spiritual mental fitness increases as we gather every week for a compelling and thrilling worship experience that impacts all of life. When I was doing college ministry some years ago, I came across uh, various statistics that predicted, I think they were put together by InterVarsity, though I've tried to trace them down with the then president of InterVarsity, and he couldn't find the statistics. But I remember them when I was doing a lot of college ministry. Statistics that showed that a predictor of whether an undergraduate student was going to go on and serve the Lord Jesus after college student was based upon two factors. Number one, would they tell someone else about Jesus? Number two, did they go every week uh, to a Bible church, a compelling worship experience? Those were the, predicted, the predictable factors. Well, the same is true for all of our lives, whether we're a student or whether we're retired, whether we're a business guy or woman, whether we're a mother or father, it's not just simply like going through the motions. When we come together, there's a spiritual impact that shifts the orientation of our lives for the ensuing week, and we need it each week, and that's why at College Church we meet even on New Year's Eve, because we need to gather every week for a compelling and thrilling worship experience that impacts all of life. The seventh gospel habit. Get smart about the influences of culture and learn to think better. The Apostle Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. Now this, of course, is a huge area that we could spend a long time discussing and I don't intend to this morning, but it is a gospel habit. We live in a time of undoubted and unparalleled informational expansion. We live in a radical time of technological innovation greater than at any time in human history, probably all the way back to the invention of the, the Gutenberg printing press. And because of the plethora and the expanse of information that, that is before each of us simply with a smartphone, we need to be smart people. Smartphones, if we're to be spiritually and mentally fit, require smart people. And we need to get smart about the influences of culture and learn to think better. 
the educational environment uh, around has, we have many great uh, Christian educational environments around us, but the educational process at a national, global level is increasingly imbibed with demoralizing anti-Christian principles. And if you go to school, you need to be aware that not everything you hear is going to be kosher and godly and biblical, and you therefore need to be smart, think about the influences of the culture around you. Smartphones require smart people. I was reading the last couple of weeks a um, story about the great president of America, Teddy Roosevelt, when he went down to South America. For he, he, there's a river in South America that was named after Teddy Roosevelt because he discovered that river. And it's a wonderful story about the, uh, the, the adventures that he and his companions had as they discovered that river. And as Roosevelt was sitting one time, one evening on his own, someone observed him, observed him thinking. There was Roosevelt, the great president of the United States, sitting in a canvas chair somewhere in the Amazon forest, thinking. And they could tell he was thinking because he was gesticulating with his arms and mumbling to himself. He wasn't going crazy. He was thinking, thinking. We need to learn to think. Don't just be receptacles of information, but think. Is that right? Is it wrong? Is it partly right, partly wrong? There's no, no surprise that we're not spiritually immensely fit if we don't think through all the information that we are constantly being bombarded with these days. Or here's uh, the eighth of these ten gospel habits. Receive the work of the Spirit to transform your life for a lifelong process of renewing your whole internal life. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The mind in the Bible is not simply intellectual cognition. It means the whole of our internal life, our mind set, needs to be transformed. And the transformation takes place through the work of the Spirit to transform our lives for a lifelong process. It's an ongoing process. It doesn't just happen once. an ongoing process of renewing our whole internal life. We need the help of God's Spirit to do that. Receive His transformative power in our minds. So that, as the Apostle Paul says, as someone who isn't a Christian, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the truth. We need to be transformed so that we can see the truth. So we can actually see what, if we had eyes to see, would be so obvious transformed by the renewal of our mind. And then the ninth of these ten gospel habits, experientially confirm day by day that God's way is best. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Great American uh, preacher called James Boyce, after he had been diagnosed with cancer, and it was terminal cancer, uh, so before his congregation to explain what he, how he was processing that and what he was thinking about that. And he used this text to say to them that part of Christian discipleship is to discern that God's ways are good, even though we can't see that they're good. 
We, we trace, if we can't trace the hand of God, we trust the heart of God. Our minds are transformed so that we test and approve that his, his ways are good. We say, yes, Lord, you're sovereign and your way is good. And in a very wonderful uh, um, testimony, uh, a very wonderful testimony he gave to that to his church. It's still somewhere online if you want to search it out afterwards. James Boyce as he gave his instructions to his church, having been diagnosed with terminal cancer. By testing, you may discern the will of God. That is, discern that it is good, God's sovereign will. And of course, once we do that, then we're bound to be much more mentally and spiritually fit. God is sovereign over our lives. What he has planned for us is good. And therefore, we move on with trust and commitment and passion because we know that our Lord is good and he's in charge. And then finally... The tenth of these gospel habits, always look ahead to the ultimate good end of it all. The Apostle Paul, Paul puts it like this, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right, let's see if we can do ten reps. Children, one, two, three, no one's going to count with me, five, six, seven, eight, nine, <laughs> ten, <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. Um, it was only two pounds, but it was, uh, it was good. Now, this isn't simply New, Year re- New Year's resolutions, nor is it merely like good intentions, trying really hard. This is an application of the gospel that then shifts us by these gospel habits. A well-known popular singer called Ed Sheeran has a song called Bad Habits. He talks about his bad habits like this. I won't quote the whole song, but the one part of it I can quote uh, in church goes like this. My bad habits lead to late nights ending alone. Conversations with a stranger I barely know swearing this will be the last, but it probably won't. Perhaps you have, do we have bad habits? What we need to do is inculcate into our lives a set of gospel habits built upon the power of the gospel. And that's what I commend to you, these 10 gospel habits uh, for our spiritual and mental health for 2024. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you for your mercies. We know, Lord, that they're new every morning. And we know that because your mercies have been revealed to us at a place and a time that shows us who you are. Lord, every person in this room has aspects of their lives that they don't understand or they're confused about or wishes were different. This is the common nature of our humanity. Some of us in this room struggle with uh, mental health issues. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for those who can help us with those uh, elements. All of us, Lord, as we look forward to 2024, wish to live lives that are spiritually and mentally fit, useful for you. 
And we pray, Lord, that this text would resonate with us as individuals in a church in the year ahead. Because of the gospel, we would then put into practice these, these ten gospel habits. And we pray these things for Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.